Good evening and welcome to the High Horror Society. I am your host, Zach, and this evening we are going to change things up a bit. Up until this point, we've only covered horror movies on this podcast, so in an effort to branch out, tonight we're going to dive right into the realm of video games, specifically the survival horror genre of video games, with our review of the remake of the Capcom classic Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2, the remake, was developed by Capcom R&D Division 1. So reading up on this, I found that Capcom, ha- Capcom has three internal divisions that make games. Um, and those are Consumer Games Division 1 with games like Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Dead Rising, and other worldwide franchises usually targeted towards North American audiences. Uh, Consumer Games Division 2, like uh, games like Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Capcom, and other online-focused franchises, usually targeted towards more of a worldwide audience. And then we have Consumer Games Division 3 with Monster Hunter, Ace Attorney, and other franchises, more specifically uh, IPs that are more targeted towards Japanese audiences. So uh, Capcom is the publisher as well. And of course, we all know Capcom is a very famous company. They've done Street Fighter, Mega Man, Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Monster Hunter, Ace Attorney, Animosha, Breath of Fire, as well as a bunch of games based on Disney properties and things like that. So there's definitely no shortage of games. Uh, you know, obviously Mega Man, Resident Evil, and Street Fighter are probably some of the more famous ones. Devil May Cry and Monster Hunter, possibly more, you know, getting definitely climbing up there in the popularity realm of the things for sure. So getting into, uh, into the directors of the game, uh, we have the first director is uh, Keizo Oriakado, and then uh, second director is Yashihiro Anpo, and then uh, designers is uh, Hidehiro Goda, and uh, programmer is Masatoshi Fuz- Fukuzawa, and yep, I am apologizing in advance, I am terrible at pronouncing names, so any of these people... They definitely deserve more than me butchering their names on a terrible podcast that only about three people listen to. So I do apologize. So <clears throat> diving right on into the synopsis of the game. Um, usually we have our format for our movies, and I'm trying to keep that relatively the same here um, so we don't end up you know, kind of veering too far off the uh, beaten path of the format that we usually use. So I'm going to go ahead and try to stick to with the same way I talk about movies and uh Um, So I'm going to go through the synopsis of the game. I'll go cover some gameplay stuff and uh, just a little bit of a story about how the game came to be, just like we do with movies. Then I'll close things up with my review. So the synopsis of Resident Evil 2 for any of us who, any of us horror fans who have been living under a rock or living on Mars for the past 25 years or so. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is a survival horror game, obviously developed and published by Capcom, where players control police officer Leon Kennedy and college student Claire Redfield as they attempt to escape from Raccoon City during a zombie apocalypse. So the gameplay in Resident Evil 2, uh, the remake, is a reimagination of the original PlayStation console release from 1998. It's completely rebuilt from the ground up. 
It uses the same over-the-shoulder camera view that we saw in Resident Evil 4 through Resident Evil 6, which is dubbed as behind view uh, for most of this. Um, and it's kind of mixed all three of those games from Resident Evil 2 or 4 to Resident Evil 6 all into one. For instance, the character control resemble that of Resident Evil 6, with the player being able to move freely toward in like any direction that they want. Um, and then also the players can move while aiming. Um, that will increase the uh, weapon spread, however. So when you're aiming, just holding still, kind of you can pinpoint it, more pinpoint accuracy. But obviously when you're moving, it uh, widens the spread. And that's pretty a common game mechanic in a lot of shooters. Um, in Resident Evil 7, uh, there are a lot of aspects of it uh, that uh, were toned down uh, or completely removed. So there weren't a lot of Resident Evil stuff, 7 stuff in Resident Evil 2, but there were some things. Um, for example, uh, the players can't melee zombies after stunning them or putting them on the ground uh, like they can in Resident Evil 7. So, uh, going on, uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake uses the RE engine, which is the same engine that was created to develop Resident Evil 7. Um, not only were the graphics the same, or in, in both games were the, similar, but the UI designs and even some element designs had a striking resemblance. Um, one item noted here was the handgun ammo icon is the same in Resident Evil 7 as it is in Resident Evil 2. Uh, both Claire and Leon use a flashlight that behaves similarly to the Resident Evil uh, Revelations games. Uh, it'll turn on automatically when the player gets into a darker place and turns off by itself when the player is in a more bright environment. And uh, the flashlight uh, can't be manually turned on by the player, which is actually kind of one of my biggest pet peeves about the game. I'll get into that, but that's really bugged me. Um, but uh, either way, uh, both Leon and Claire can physically hold the flashlight and, uh, and a, a weapon at the same time. Um, it, uh, so that doesn't keep you from aiming the weapon, even if you're using a bigger gun like a shotgun or a grenade launcher. Um, this game, Resident Evil 2, also has uh, the knife mechanic. It can be used as a defensive weapon, uh, similar to uh, the first Resident Evil game. Um, uh, Resident Evil, uh, the remake for Resident Evil, the first one uh, in two, from 2002. I believe that was on the GameCube, and you can acquire it back after you use it uh, to, to defeat an enemy. That was kind of a cool little feature. Uh, another feature based on early Resident Evil games was uh, the return of defensive items. So, like, if Leon or Claire are ever grabbed by a monster um, and they have a weapon in their inventory, like a knife or a grenade or a flashbang grenade, the little prompt will pop up on the screen and they can you can hit the button real fast and it'll jam it in the monster's mouth and the monster will let you go and you can run away and, and watch from a distance while his head explodes in a glorious hellfire and blood and gut score fest. It's fun. Um, <laughs> uh, however, uh, in this game, I, like I said before, uh, uh, the knife can be reacquired after killing an enemy, something that wasn't possible in the other game. Uh, the knife is also uh, has a durability rating in this game too, which kind of pissed me off a little bit um, just because I like, you know, if I ever saw a zombie in the room, I'd sneak up to him and be like, I'm making sure this asshole's not getting back up and I'd try to stab him. But then I found out quick that your knife breaks, so that eh, was kind of a pain in the ass. But hey, either way, it, was, it's, it makes the game more difficult and I, I, I quickly, you know, adapted my gameplay style. I didn't try to uh, fudge my way through it. Um, but yeah, so once the gauge is empty on the knife, the knife breaks and you have to get a new one. Luckily, they are literally all over the place in the game. I very rarely had an issue trying to find a new knife, so that was great. Um, uh, the health status uh, in the game is only shown on the inventory screen or when you're taking damage, so that's kind of cool. keeps the, the screen pretty clear so that you're only really 
using, uh, uh, you know, you're really focused on the, on the whole immersion aspect of things. And you're not, you know, there's no game, there's no, uh, you know, uh, uh, display uh, on the game. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> so uh, this is what, uh, tearing off a limb is what I entitled this uh, little section here. So uh, thanks to the RE engine features such as photorealistic visuals are possible. Enemies react in real time, taking instant visible damage and limbs can be ripped off, uh, uh, ripped off of enemies and uh, characters show bite marks and as they take damage through the game. Um, when characters are being grabbed, the camera zooms in real close on them. Um, this is also seen in uh, Resident Evil Zero. Uh, and you could, uh, more than one enemy can grab you at a time as well, just like Resident Evil Zero. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me? <laughs> a new gameplay mechanic that wasn't featured in Resident Evil 2, but is similar to Resident Evil Outbreak. File number two, Desperate Time Scenario, uh, is the inclusion of the wooden boards. So you get these wooden boards all throughout the game, and there's all these open windows that are around, and you've got to place the window, or they got to place the board in the window as you're walking around and deciding, mm, is this going to be one that a zombie's going to pop out of in a couple minutes? And you got to pop that board in place, or decide to keep it and use it later on. Um, they do come in handy. Um, the layout of the maps have been changed, and uh, brand new areas were uh, added to this game, also remixing uh, different locations. Um, so, And they did that in an effort for both veterans and newcomers to the series. We'll you know, kind of experience a brand new game while having some familiar elements there. Uh, the zombies are a bit different from past games, too. This is totally different than other Resident Evil games that I've played, and I will get into how big of a fan I am and down below. But uh, <laughs> down below, when we get there with our little talk here, uh, so uh, they don't—they um, have way more health than they used to have, and they get up multiple times, so many times. It was ridiculous how many times they would get up. And uh, when they finally die, a pool of blood doesn't spill around them or pool around them like it did in the previous Resident Evil games. So you don't ever really know when they're down. And also, there's no, like, when uh, Resident Evil 2, when you would get grabbed by a zombie on the ground, he, Leon would always, like, do this stomping thing where he'd pop his head up and blow, pop the zombie's head but after doing a curb stomp motion. That doesn't happen in this game. He just kicks them off, and you're left to kind of fight for yourself. There's also a new herb combination in this game as well. You can combine the red and blue herbs, and this gives you a bit of an invulnerability to poison and makes your defenses a little bit stronger. And there's a little timer that shows up in the corner that ticks off as uh, or ticks down as you go, and uh, that before, uh, lets you know when that effect wears off. There, um, there are no loading screens in the game too, so there's no more slowly opening every single door every single time you need to get back to that room so that is super helpful actually opening the doors is pretty fast it's kind of almost too fast because you just kind of like push, push it open with the very you know with a lot of ease with a lot of gusto um so it's kind of i i always took it as a slap in the face or I, every time i'd open a door i'd be like take that loading animation from resident evil 2 1998 um, so it's just kind of a fun little thing to plow through each of the doors. Um, so yeah, no loading screens in the game. It makes it all for one seamless experience, which is great. Um, they also brought back the fourth survivor mode and the tofu survivor mode uh, that uh, uh, were um, 
they're in the remake and they're not paid DLC, so that is really cool. They gave them up for free, just like uh, they were in the original game. Um, and then uh, the deluxe edition of Resident Evil 2 remake and the premium. I'm sorry, the, there's a deluxe edition and a premium edition of the game. And the premium edition of the game has a, a soundtrack swap option where you can actually go back and use the original soundtrack from the original game, which I. Was is a pretty cool little feature, but I didn't pony up the extra bucks for the premium edition. Unfortunately, I just stuck with the standard. Um, let's see, standard difficulty mode on the game. This allows uh, you to save as often as you need to. You don't have to use uh, the ink ribbons. You still save on a typewriter, so there's no auto save feature or anything like that. Unless you get to a new area, it auto saves for you. Um, but uh, then, if you there is a hardcore difficulty on the game where you do have to actually play. Um, and use the ink ribbons like you did in Resident Evil uh, 2 or the, the original one. Um, <clears throat> also, uh, the uh, this game allows you to play through the game as Leon and then as Claire and then vice versa. So uh, again, each time you play it, depending on your choices in the game um, or your choice of character, the main story is going to change just a little bit. Various subplots will be changed a little bit. Air, different areas will be accessible and different items will be attainable depending on which character you play through the game with. Um, uh, there is also, uh, uh, similar to the scenario B feature of the original game, if you beat this main campaign for the first time, it unlocks an option to play through uh, what's called a second run uh, as the other protagonist. So, and the second run is a variation of the main campaign, uh, then adds additional content to kind of frame the second playthrough of the other character. So, uh, for example, <clears throat> uh, the protagonist in uh, the second run will enter the police station from a different entrance. They'll find different doors uh, that are already unlocked by the protagonist from the first uh, playthrough. And then competing the second run is required to get the true ending of the game. So just like in the, the original, you have to beat both Claire and Leon's, or Leon's and Claire's, depending on what order, to actually get to, uh, the, through the game. So the plot of the game, if you don't know, uh, Resident Evil 2, and just the Resident Evil series in general, is kind of, it suffers uh, kind of like the anime issue that I have with a lot of animes and long-running TV shows and things like that, where there's so many games, and there's so many stories, and there's so many movies, and there's so many tie-ins and things like that, everything just kind of, just is a big mush, and it, uh, you know, it's kind of difficult, but this one was the second one, so it wasn't too difficult to explain. We were still kind of on the at the start of things before things got too messy. Um, so, either way, uh, on September 29th, 1998, two months after the events of the first Resident Evil, most uh, citizens of the Midwestern American mountain community of Raccoon City have been transformed into zombies by the T-Virus, a biological weapon secretly developed by the pharmaceutical company Umbrella. At a gas station outside of town, Leon S. Kennedy, a rookie police officer, meets Claire Redfield, a college student looking for her brother Chris. The gas station is overrun with zombies and two narrowly escape in a police car. Shortly after entering Raccoon City, Leon and Claire agree to meet up at the Raccoon City Police Department. Both make it to the police station at different times, but find it infested with zombies and other monsters one of which is the T-00, or Mr. X, the latest model of Umbrella's tyrant line of bioweapons dispatched to hunt down and kill any survivors. The creatures, uh, the creatures and various obstacles prevent Leon and Claire from actually reuniting as they are forced to stay on the move to survive and find a way to escape Raccoon City. So that's basically the, the little plot of the game. And then they get into the different scenarios. So <clears throat> I'll read through these 
as well. There's So there's a Claire scenario we could run through and a Leon scenario too, and then the overall ending. Um, and again, as like all things, there's plenty of spoilers here, so if you have not played the games yet, um, I do highly, highly recommend both. Um, I would probably play, if you're not that into uh, video games from old older generations, I would definitely pick up the new one before trying the, even the second one because it'll just feel very terrible if you're even into modern games. But uh, um, So yeah, like I said, there's going to be plenty of spoilers here. So uh, if you haven't played the games, either turn us off or you know if you don't care, go ahead and keep listening. <clears throat> so Claire scenario. So while exploring the police station, Claire discovers that Chris left the country uh, before the outbreak in Raccoon City. Claire also finds that uh, a little girl named Shirley Birkin hiding from a monster who ends up being her father. Uh, after saving Sherry from the monster, Claire promises to reunite with her mother, re- uh, reunite the girl with her mother. Um, the two girls are discovered by the corrupt police chief uh, Brian L- Irons. After being briefly assaulted, Claire, uh, f- uh, after briefly assaulting Claire for enforcing Sherry to tie her hands, uh, Irons abducts Sherry and takes her to an orphanage across town. And Claire, angered but determined, learns about Irons' career as a sick obsession uh, and his sick obsession with taxidermy, which they show all over the game. Uh, Umbrella bribed him uh, for years in exchange of uh, uh, having legal act- illegal activities that included using orphans as test subjects and uh, building a secret research lab under the city. Uh, the police chief abducted Sherry to obtain a pendant that she wears, um, but uh, realizes that Claire grabbed it right at before uh, uh, when they were their previous encounter. Uh, Irons calls Claire and offers to trade Sherry for the pendant. Claire makes her way to the orphanage. Sherry tries to escape on her own, but the monster stalking her, which is her father, appears and fatally wounds Irons. Claire arrives in time to see Irons dive from the creature uh, that was implanted inside of him, and he finds uh, she finds Sherry in a passageway under the orphanage. Uh, while being pursued by the T-00 or Mr. X, the two are cornered in an elevator. Uh, the T-00 is immediately killed by the monster, a.k.a. Sherry's dad, and uh, who impales it from behind and rips his chest open, which was actually a really cool little scene. Uh, the monster then dis- uh, disables the wires to the elevator and then causes it to crash, knocking Claire unconscious. And then Claire's awoken by Annette Birkin, Sherry's mother, uh, and Annette reveals that the monster chasing Sherry is William Birkin, her husband and Sherry's father. William and Annette develop the, the, develop the G-Virus for Umbrella in a secret lab underneath Raccoon City. Umbrella discovered that William intended to sell the G-Virus to the U.S. military and dispatch private commandos to confiscate his work. <clears throat> uh, William injected himself with the G-Virus to survive being shot. And, uh, being shot, the, uh, I'm sorry. William injected himself with the G-Virus to survive being shot during the raid and get revenge. The mutated William then attacks the commandos in the sewers, causing virals, uh, vi- vials of the uh, virus to break. And then, obviously, the virus is consumed by rats, and they carry it into the city, and now everybody is a mutant zombie, right? <laughs> so uh, now William is constantly mutating, uh, and uh, he's obsessed with infecting Sherry, his daughter, um, as a method to reproduce itself because we learned in the game that that is going to be the best host for him uh, to make an actual new monster since it shares his DNA. So while Claire was unconscious, Annette locked Sherry in a vault, believing that it would be the safest place for her. Uh, Unfortunately, Sherry falls ill, um, and then uh, Claire is forced to then to rescue her. Uh, Annette realizes that William has already infected Sherry and Claire uh, and has Claire bring Sherry to the Umbrella Lab where she can actually... uh, 
uh, get the antivirus for the G virus to Sherry. And then inside the underground facility, Claire uses Sherry's pendant to unlock the case that holds the antivirus. While returning Sherry William, uh, Sherry uh, William, ugh, God, jeez. While returning to Sherry, William attacks again. Again, this is the monster. Annette arrives to assist Claire, but Claire sends herself uh, to administer the. the, the Claire sends. Oh, jeez, I am just butchering this. I'm sorry. Annette arrives to assist Claire, but then Claire sends her to administer the G virus while she holds off William by herself. After defeating William, Claire reunites with the mortally wounded Annette and cured Sherry. The Umbrella facility initiates a self-destruct protocol, and Claire and Sherry make their way to the evacuation train. Along the way, Claire discovers that Leon also found his way to the facility, and after initiating the train's launch, William reappears on the train platform, forcing Claire to defeat him yet again. And then inside the moving train, Claire, Sherry, and Leon are uh, make it aboard, and that's where it ends. <clears throat> so... Now, Leon's scenario. Whew. While exploring the police station, Leon is saved from an infected dog by a woman named Ada Wong. Ada identifies herself as an FBI agent investigating the outbreak and advises Leon to not get in her way. In the station's holding cells, Leon finds Ben, ben Bert, Bertolucci, a reporter imprisoned by Chief Irons for investigating Umbrella's illegal activities. As Ben explains Umbrella's involvement in the outbreak, the T-00 breaks into the cell and kills Ben. While attempting to escape the station, Leon is grabbed by the T-00, but is saved again by Ada. Leon convinces Ada to let him help her with her mission to retrieve the G-Virus sample, sample to prove Umbrella, Umbrella's guilt. Annette accepts and leads Leon into the city sewers towards Umbrella's underground lab. In the sewers, uh, they find Annette Birkin, who opens fire on Ada. Leon pushes Ada out of the way and falls, un uh, and falls unconscious after taking a bullet for her. Ada patches up Leon and pursues Annette deeper into the sewers, but is eventually caught off guard and knocked into a waste storage vault, with Ada's leg being injured on the way down. Leon eventually wakes up and rescues Ada from the vault. Using a security wristband Ada obtained, the two ride, to a, ca ride a cable car to Umbrella's lab. <clears throat> During the ride, Ada kisses Leon, and they express feelings for each other. Yay. Uh, due, to Leon's, due to Ada's injuries, she uh, entrusts Leon to obtain the G-Virus sample. Leon makes his way to Birkin's lab and obtains the, obtains the sample, but is attacked by William, again that monster. Annette then tries to kill William, but is mortally wounded by him. Leon defeats William and tends to Annette, who warns him that Ada is lying to him about her occupation, being a and she's actually a mercenary who will sell the virus to the highest bidder. So Leon confronts Ada on the bridge as the lab is in self-destruct mode, and she confirms that uh, her deceit. Leon refuses to give her the vi uh, the virus sample to Ada and is unwilling to shoot. Uh, to sh Ada is unwilling to shoot him for it. While they are distracted, Annette appears and shoots Ada before dying. Ada falls off the bridge, and Leon catches her by the hand, letting the virus sample fall into the abyss below. As Leon loses his grip, Ada tells him to take care of himself before falling as well. Making his way to the lab's train, Leon discovers that Claire is already there. Leon is ambushed by the T-00 on his way and becomes trapped on a moving elevator platform with it. Leon is forced to face down the T-00 and survives long enough for a still-alive Ada to toss a rocket launcher to the platform as she makes her own escape, while Leon uses the rocket launcher to finish the T-00 for good. Once the elevator arrives, Leon jumps into the already moving, uh, already evacuating train, reuniting Claire and Sherry. Reuniting with Claire and Sherry. So now the big ending. <sighs> so once you make it there, after beating it with Claire and then beating it with Leon or vice versa, 
Leon, Claire, and Sherry re, uh, Sherry's reunion is cut short as they find out William is still alive, the big monster. Depending on the scenario, Leon or Claire will fight the monster. Leon and Claire both work together to ultimately kill William, eventually separating the connector to the train, leaving William behind it, uh, in the exploding train car. The three gather uh, and have a brief consolation with Sherry wondering if Leon and Claire are in a relationship to who which they both realize uh, to which they both realize they just met last night. Both Leon and Claire vow to stop it, uh, stop it, uh, stop anything that comes their way as the three survivors walk, uh, walk into the sun. That's pretty fun. So that, that was basically the synopsis here. So let's jump into some fun facts here. So <clears throat> let's see. So uh, the original Resident Evil 2 was released for the PlayStation in 2008, and that was uh, called, uh, as I think most people know this, that the Resident Evil games were called uh, Biohazard in Japan, um, which is uh, kind of the title I think is kind of cooler, makes a lot more sense than the <laughs> Resident Evil, but hey, you know, we don't like that, so we're in America, so Biohazard went away, and it's Resident Evil, and I don't know. I don't know if I would mind if it was called Biohazard, but uh, either way, the, the game's development team consisted over eight with uh, over 800 people. Capcom also sees the game as a new entry in the series rather than a simple remake. So following the release of the 2002 remake of Resident Evil for the GameCube, Capcom considered a similar remake for Resident Evil 2, but series creator did not want to divert uh, development away from Resident Evil 4 at the time. So then in 2015, Capcom, uh, Capcom announced that Resin, the Resident Evil 2 remake was in development, and then after almost three years of silence, a trailer and demo of the game were shown at E3 2018 during Sony's panel, showcasing various new areas, hints of expanded story elements, and new redesigns of classic characters, along with the slated release date of January 25th, 2019. Uh, the director of the original Resident Evil 2 said that he had uh, pushed Capcom to create a remake for years, and the producer uh, said the team was striving to capture the spirit of the original game, and that the team incorporated feedback about Resident Evil 6 in the game, uh, he also, a game that he also produced. To meet modern expectations, the team attempted to make the remake more realistic. For example, Leon no longer wears those big shoulder pads, which were added to distinguish him uh, in the original uh, because of the low polygon model. And uh, uh, though they strove to make a modern, accessible game, they found uh, they focused on horror or over action, which they totally did, and I thought worked. And that uh, hoping that would kind of conserve that uh, claustrophobic feel that you have with the first game or the original game, rather. Uh, the game uses the RE engine, which we already talked about, the same game engine used for Resident Evil 7, Biohazard, which uh, allowed Capcom to modernize the gameplay a lot. Uh, the producer acknowledged the difficulty in making zombies seem scary and uh, threatening again, as they had become kind of ubiquitous with uh, entertainment and media um, since the release of Resident Evil in 1996, which is totally true, because, I mean, we even have several TV shows now that are zombie base that have been going on for you know i think walking dead's entering like what season nine or something right now so that's just ridiculous almost 10 years of a zombie show so that's definitely uh, a challenge to make zombies scary again when they, you know they've over the past you know 25 years they've kind of been all over the place um uh, so uh, a way to kind of do that uh they uh to make the game more scary they were removed uh the fixed camera angles and uh, they used different ways to conceal enemies uh, using elements such as the room layout and uh, different lighting and smoke elements of the game uh, the new camera system also affected the sound design as it no longer made sense to sound come from one fixed source because you weren't just looking at one you know one uh, direction 
Uh, the game uses the same dynamic mixing uh, development. Uh, so, I'm sorry, the same dy dynamic mixing stage development used for Resident Evil 7, and sound effects can be heard clearly and precisely in all 360 degrees. The game has more replayability than Resident Evil 7 and less randomized mechanics to help kind of uh, to help speedrunning. Additionally, it isn't uh, initially less realistic than Resident Evil 7. The developers redid graphics until they could achieve a Hollywood's kind of stylized reality look. A few of the story elements were changed in order to have a better pacing or make it feel more dramatic. One example of this is Brian Irons arriving after Claire battles William Birkin for the first time. The same battle with William in the demo was uh, was built also uh, with a short gameplay or short playtime in mind. It was uh, it was started that the it was stated that the player wouldn't uh, have as many resources when reaching that point in the game. As a whole, the story is designed to be more grounded and believable, feeling less like a B movie. However, some Easter eggs are present uh, to reference the tone of the original game. <clears throat> uh, the Plant Forty Three enemies were uh, almost skipped in the game uh, because the team. Uh, it said they were said that it was too hard to make a plant monster in uh, a more realistic atmosphere, and uh, uh, the rest of the team kept discussing about the Plant Forty Three monster for about a year, uh, saying it couldn't be done. Uh, and uh, uh, but finally, ultimately, they uh, they agreed that these had to be done, um, and I, I, they actually did. I thought they did a pretty good job with it. And then uh, ultimately, a few enemies weren't present in the, the remake in general. Uh, the giant moth wasn't there. The baby moths weren't there. The evolved flickers weren't there. The giant spiders weren't there, and the crows weren't there either. Um, the lickers on the game in this game are able to uh, get back on the walls and the ceilings, which is terrifying and pretty cool. Uh, the faces of several character models are based on scans of real life people. Uh, Leon is based off a of model Edward Badaloda, Badaluda, and then Claire is based off a of model Jordan McEwen, and uh, Marvin uh, is based off of uh, music producer Patrick Lavar. So there you go. Um, Resident Evil 2 was released on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows Worldwide on January 25th, 2019. The game supports enhancements on a PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X, offering either 4K resolution or 60 frames per second. A uh, demo known as the One-Shot Demo was released on January 11, 2019. It ends after the 30-minute mark and does not allow repeat playthroughs. So uh, the, a new game mode known as Ghost Survivors was released via DLC download on February 15, 2019, and that offers a few different playthroughs uh, uh, playable characters for Robert and the, uh, the title No Time to Mourn, and there's Catherine in the title Runaway, and then Ghost the Forgotten Soldier, and Sheriff Daniel in No Way Out. <clears throat> and there's also a PC mod that I don't know if anyone's seen, but uh, one of the mods I saw that was more hilarious was the Thomas the Tank Engine as Mr. X. So here you're playing through, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, Thomas comes plow plowing through the door at you. It's actually kind of funny. So uh, following the 2000, so some of the reception of the game. So following E3 in 2018, Resident Evil 2 won the Best of Show uh, uh, and the crit, uh, at the 2018 Critics' Choice Game Awards. Um, and then the one-shot demo received 4.7 million downloads worldwide. Resident Evil 2 did receive universal acclaim, uh, to, according to Metacritic. Game Informer said that Resident Evil 2 not only looks great, it plays well and forces you in, uh, into a series of dark encounters that are to a total rush. Guardian wrote that it was a rem reminder of how beautifully crafted survival horror games were in their heyday. The Daily Telegraph described it as a thrilling return to the legacy of the 1998 original. 
and IGM originally gave the game an 8.8 in their review, only to increase it to a 9.0 after being made aware of the unlockable second playthrough that presents the story from another point of view. They stated in their review that Capcom did a, Capcom did a fantastic job of resurrecting all of the best parts of the classic Resident Evil 2 and making it look, sound, and play like a 2019 game. Destructoid called it a hallmark of excellence. There will be flaws. Uh, there may be flaws, but they are negligible and won't cause massive damage. And they go on like this. The game got amazing, amazing reviews. Um, so the sales of the game that shipped 3 million copies of units worldwide its first week of sales, raising to 4 million within a month. It became Capcom's second biggest launch on Steam after Monster Hunter World. Uh, which came out the previous year, and Resident Evil 2 debuted at number two in the Japanese charts uh, with uh, uh, 252,000 retail sales uh, after Kingdom Hearts 3. So that's pretty impressive. So, high horror society thoughts. So I've gone through the bits about Resident Evil. I thought I covered everything pretty well. Um, I gave you guys the breakdown of the story, and now I'm going to go into what I thought about the game. And uh, I kind of, I typically, I don't write this up beforehand. I usually just kind of wing it. I don't usually just talk off, the, I usually just talk off the top of my head. I don't usually write this out, but I, I enjoyed this game so much. I actually wrote this down. <laughs> Believe it or not, I wrote something. And uh, I'm going to read it as best I can here without screwing it up. Because I thought I did a pretty good job summing everything up after looking over everything. So um, so I played through the game as Leon first and then Claire for my second run. And that's how I played the first Resident Evil 2 back in the day. So I felt it fitting to start the game this way as well. Now, I've played the original Resident Evil 2 probably a dozen times at the very least. And it's one of my all-time favorite games. I still remember the first time I played it. It was at a sleepover with my friends. We rented a ga the game from Blockbuster, and we stayed up all night taking turns as everybody died when somebody else would go. And uh, it was really an awesome experience, and one of the few, uh, one of my best game memories and best memories growing up. Um, so needless to say, this remake, it had a lot to live up to. And honestly, uh, I was not really looking forward to this when I first heard about it, especially with Capcom's more recent Resident Evil entries like Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6. I really did not enjoy those. Um, I didn't try Resident Evil 7 because of Resident Evil 5 and 6. I didn't enjoy them very much. I kind of felt like I'm just done with this series. Um, also, it just I don't know. Today, it just seems that nostalgia is like this huge driving force in marketing. And uh, there definitely is, there's just no questions that those, to me at least, that those nostalgic feelings are being taken advantage of. And I was afraid that this would be another half-assed nostalgic cash grab, um, just like you know a lot of the Hollywood remakes. And just, I mean, all you got to do is look and see, like, you know, every year we now we have a Nintendo NES classic, and then last year we had an NES classic, and then there's Pokemon stuff coming out again, and Stranger Things is all this throwbacks to the 80s, and that kicked off this whole other thing, and basically any other movie or TV show with that 80s vibes are all cashing in on that nostalgic, and it's all done to sell us on that, uh, that feeling of the good old days. And so I was really worried that this would be a similar thing, just being like, hey, People in their mid-30s now that played Resident Evil have money, disposable income, so we're going to go ahead and make this half-ass game. Um, 
then I started to, so I wasn't really looking forward to it. And then I started reading the reviews and then I got a little more curious and watched the gameplay videos. And I, once I saw the videos, I was convinced that this had, I had to have it. And, um, at the very least it would be an entertaining purchase and whew, was I surprised. So not only was it entertaining and enjoyable, but it was just a fantastic game. I had so much fun playing this. I played it every single night and I explored every nook and cranny of this game and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's honestly, it's one of the best horror experiences I've ever had as well, movies or otherwise. I can't stress that enough. The game does a fantastic job of scaring the shit out of you and I don't scare easily. I've been watching horror movies my whole life since I was, you know, religiously watching horror movies since I was 10, 11 years old. I've seen everything and I, I was jumping. I was jumping. I was pissing my pants scared playing this game. And there were some tense, intense moments when the monsters are chasing you and you were just like, you're just, I'll, I'll just get into it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so first of all, the game looks incredible. It's one of the best looking games on the PlayStation four, no doubt. Um, the tension, the scares, the feeling of seclusion all play so amazingly well together. Uh, aside from a few brief encounters with other characters, you're pretty much alone the whole game. Um, and like I said before, the, it made zombies scary again. And these are not your typical Walking Dead zombies with the paper mache skulls that you can just immediately shove a screwdriver through and kill. These zombies are more akin to the, those of Return of the Living Dead where they're like damn near impossible to kill. They just keep coming back. And even when you think you put them down, they'll get back up and come right back after you. And I, uh, you can't just run away into the next room like you used to do either because they'll, they'll follow you to a certain extent now and uh, they will gang up on you. And uh, on top of that, uh, you have very limited ammo uh, and throughout the game, too, which makes for some really tense moments. Uh, oftentimes, you're thrown into the situation where you have to decide, am I going to fight or am I going to run away with the hopes of possibly returning later uh, when you're better equipped uh, to put down the undead masses. But um, uh, And that's like, honestly, that's where the gameplay really shines for me. Uh, it's not very often you have the upper hand in this game at all. Uh, typically, the whole point of the game is to make, uh, you know, uh, typically a whole point of a video game is to make you feel badass by giving you more health than the bad guys. You're more resistant to damage. You have better offensive and defensive capabilities than all the enemies around you. And that's just not how Resident Evil 2 works. You're given very little to work with, and every it makes every decision count. Um, and they'll all be contributing factors to your overall success or failure in the game. Uh, for instance, when you encounter Mr. X or T-00, um, those are some of the most intense moments in the game too, by the way. Um, all you can do is really run away and hope he doesn't grab you. Uh, and uh, you can't really do much uh, to him. Um, if you do get away, you can hear him stomping around and hunting for you, and he will come into other rooms and find you. So there are only the, only the safe rooms I found were the ones with the typewriters in them, and I would always just run back to the dark room every time he would come after me. And just that, That's all I would do is just run back to the dark room and wait for him to leave and then go back out, venture out into the police station again. Um, but really, like, you can't fight him. Um your only advantage against Mr. X is that you're a little bit faster than he is and really just a little bit. Like if you catch a bad angle when you're running away from him, he'll punch you and he'll grab you, you know? Um, so, uh, uh, that, that was really tough and scary and you can't shoot him. If you shoot him, it just pisses him off and he comes charging at you. So you're just like the best, best bet is just to run away. Um, 
So I do have a few complaints about the game. Uh, one of the ones I mentioned earlier, my biggest complaint, really, I guess, and it's more of a nitpicky thing, I guess, is uh, you can't manually toggle the flashlight on and off. Uh, there are often times when I wanted to get a better look at something, even just to appreciate like the, the all the, the trash in the corner or whatever, and you're not able to click the flashlight on to look at it, which I thought was, you know, it wasn't terrible, but it was just kind of a one of the things that bugged me. And then uh, really the only other complaint that I had about this game, and again, this is super nitpicky, is uh, when you have to exit the interaction screen uh, to open up your menu to mess with an item or object. Um, so uh, like when you had to set, so there's this part where you have to set the right frequency on the signal modulator to turn the power back on in these certain areas. I was constantly trying to interact with this the unit only to remember like, oh crap, I have to make the adjustment on the signal modulator first in my menu, and then I interact with the object to use it. So uh, I thought it would have been much better if I could just interact with or make the adjustments on the signal modulator while I was in the interaction screen. So I go to the, the, the you know the, the the wall and I hit the button to interact with it. I hit the modulator, make the adjustments on the modulator, and then put it in. Um, but you did, it, you had to make the changes on the modulator first, exit, and then go to the screen. So again, those are two my only two complaints: the flashlight in this thing. And they're they're so tiny, they're so extremely nitpicky, and they definitely were not bad enough issues to bring down the quality of the game at all. Um, and uh, they just would have been nice options to have, totally not required. So with that, I give the remake of Resident Evil 2 a solid, solid 10 out of 10. It is that rare, perfect remake that delivers a modern, engaging survival horror gaming experience that embodies the spirit of what made the original classic so successful. So yeah, there you have it. My review of Resident Evil 2. Solid 10 out of 10. Go pick this thing up right now. It, I think it's. I think right now I saw it on Amazon Prime for 40 bucks. So, uh, and that's. I think that's for physical and digital download. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, and uh, yeah, Resident Evil 2, 10 out of 10. I uh, apologize for the delay in bringing this to you. I wrote this a while ago. I played this a while ago, and I'm just getting to recording it now. I have a bunch of movies in the pipeline that I want to do talks on. Um, I've got Velvet Buzzsaw, Apostle, uh, Haunting of Hill House I want to talk about. I want to do a series on the Bioshock games. Um, I just watched the Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix. I want to talk about those short sites. So I've got a lot of ideas I want to do. Um, so I apologize that there's been a bit of a delay in getting these out to you guys. I'm, I'm hoping to go back to doing one episode a week. This episode was a bit longer than usual. I did a bit more writing and a bit more research than usual. And, uh, you know, if you guys like the longer episodes like this where I, I do a little bit more of a deep dive, let me know and I'll do that. And maybe I can get one out every two weeks or so instead. But, uh, yeah, either way, Resident Evil 2, solid 10 out of 10. Thank you so much. This is Zach from the High Horror Society signing off. It's the High Horror Society. Uh...